We are glad to be here. Isn't it, isn't it beautiful to be in Middle Tennessee this time of year and all the orange and golds and, and hay fever? <laughs> oh, yeah, all of you going, isn't this beautiful? I'm going, I won't be able to breathe tonight. And so, so just welcome to weather in the Middle Tennessee. If you don't like it, hang on. It'll change tomorrow or whatever. And uh, This is the time of the year when we get all our cardiac workout changing from summer to winter clothes back and forth. You know, you change and you have to get it back out and change back again and, and, and all of that. So just welcome to Middle Tennessee. Several years ago, there was a book, Good to Great, by a man named Jim Collins, and it became all of the rage among the business community and leadership community. Uh, the book is in its, you know, multiple printings now, multiple languages, has become a standard of, of business literature. And one of the phrases in there has become viral, uh, at least one of them. This is one of them. It's called, make sure you have the right people on the bus. And that is when you're leading an organization, make sure that the people who are working with you are the people who need to be there. And I've been in countless meetings when somebody would say, well, are we sure we have the right people on the bus? Have you ever noticed that when that phrase is used, the person using that phrase never considers that they shouldn't be on the bus? <laughs> we all know that. We need to have the right people on the bus. And you look around like, well, who should get off? Right? Not you. You obviously should be there. Have you ever thought that for all of the sermons we have on being sent, that you may not be. Today we're going to read one of the most profound passages in Romans, Romans 10. And you've heard it before. How shall they hear unless someone be sent? And we always assume that we are the ones sent. Paul wasn't sent to the very people he was praying for. He was sent to the Gentiles. Someone else was sent to the Jews. Now I know you're getting whiplash right now from hearing a Baptist preacher tell you you may not be sent. Because every Baptist sermon is about sending going somewhere. Mm -mm. We're all sent. Just be sure that you are where you are sent. Paul prayed for the salvation of the Jews, but he wasn't sent to them. So here's the line from the sermon you need to remember. If you're not sent, don't go. If you are sent, don't stay. If you aren't sent, don't go. If you are sent, don't stay. Let's pick Paul's thinking up in Romans chapter 10. Stand with me in honor of God's word. And brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayers for God concerning them is for their salvation. 
I can testify about them that they have zeal for God, but it is a zeal without knowledge since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness. They have never submitted to God's righteousness for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law. The one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will go up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will go down into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, it is in your mouth, it is in your heart. Now this is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess, Christ with, your, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. One believes with a heart, resulting in righteousness. One confesses with the mouth, and that results in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord richly blesses all who call him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now how then can they call on him who they've not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all have obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes by what is heard. And what is heard comes to the message about Christ. So faith comes by what is heard, and what is heard from the message of Jesus Christ. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. We pray, Father, that we will understand the depths of your richness, the way Paul did. We pray we will have the understanding of your mission, not only around us, but around the world, and we will know our place. And we will stay out of those places that you do not send us. And we will hurry to those places where you do send us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I hope as part of your journey as a follower of Christ, as part of your own discipleship, you will dedicate a, a prolonged period of time to the study of the book of Romans. Because of this book setting, we have in this book Paul's most thorough statement of his theology. Here's what it is to be a Christian. We have the defense of his mission. Here's why I am doing what I am doing. You see, Paul wanted to come to Rome, and he told the church in Rome in this letter that as soon as I deliver the collection that I've taken up for, for the saints in Jerusalem, there was a famine in Jerusalem. Paul had worked with the churches that he had formed throughout uh, the Roman Empire to take up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. He was going to go take that uh, collection to the church in Jerusalem. He's, of course, arrested while he's in Jerusalem and never makes it to Rome. But he has plans. 
And his plans are he wants to come to Rome, he wants to teach in Rome, he wants to build the church up in Rome, and then he wants Rome to support his work as he leaves Rome and goes to southern Europe, what he calls Gaul. It's uh, France and, and where modern-day France and modern-day Spain are. It's that area there. Paul loved to go to places where he was the first one to proclaim the gospel. He loved being on the edge of the missionary effort. That was his plan. The church in Rome did not know Paul. They had probably heard about him, but they didn't know him. So he writes the letter to introduce himself. Now, I know you're going to want to read Romans and outline it. And you're going to go Roman numeral 1, subsection A, Roman numeral 2, subsection A, B, and C. Paul doesn't write that way. And you will frustrate yourself to no end trying to outline his work. Uh, Paul writes just like he talks. One subject runs to another. He'll get to thinking about one. That'll bring him something else. He'll never go back to the first one. It makes you nuts. Okay? But understand it. When you get hold of this, it makes some sense. One, he says, I want to come to Rome. I've heard about you. I want to come to Rome. I want to teach there. And I want you to support my mission because I have to proclaim the gospel which makes him think about why he has to proclaim the gospel. And he talks about uh, how uh, people have turned away from God and how uh, the Lord has released them, let them go to a depraved mind, and, and how this depravity of mind works its way down throughout our culture and society. Uh, he then tells the Jews, don't, don't think that you are above anybody else because you had the law and yet you could not keep it and in chapter 3, it is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He then talks about the salvation that is offered through Jesus. And he explains the, the, the sacrifice and the offering of Jesus. And how in Jesus we have a new creation, a new Adam. Uh, he then begins to talk how frustrating it is to try to work out your own salvation outside of Christ. And he ends with chapter 7. Who, uh, who will save me from this body of death? Wretched man that I am. And then in 8, we have, uh, because of Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we have the beautiful promises that are in chapter 8. In chapter 9, he returns back to the situation of the Jews. Chapter 10 continues that thought. And as he begins chapter 10, he's brokenhearted for his own people. He even says, I would trade my own salvation if my people would come to know Christ. But how will they hear? Unless someone preaches, and how will someone preach? Unless someone is sent. Now, if you're a good Southern Baptist like I am, you know the next paragraph, right? Paul will say, I am sent to the Jews, right? God's got to send somebody. That's the way the message is heard. And because he sends somebody, that's why I am sent. But Paul isn't sent to the Jews. In fact, his preaching to the Gentiles causes the first great controversy of the early church. Uh, Jesus is saving people before they become a Jew. 
So the controversy is, do you have to become a Jew before you become a Christian? And we have the Jerusalem Council that is recorded in in Acts 15. Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter 2, where he says in 9, when James, Cephas, that is Peter, and John, those recognized as the pillars of the Jerusalem church, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they should go to the circumcised. Paul and Barnabas are released to their mission to the Gentiles. Peter and John, James, stay in Jerusalem. Now you would think that it would be Paul who is sent. After all, it is Paul who is praying. It is Paul who is talking about how brokenhearted he is for his own people. And yet, he is not the one who is sent there. Somebody else is sent. His ministry, his message is somewhere else. Now, is that curious to you? Is that curious to you that you have all of these paragraphs about how heartbroken Paul is for his own people? And then he's not the one sent. Have you ever thought that the person you're praying for, the situation you're praying about, the people group that is on your heart, the neighborhood, that you may not be the one sent? Somebody else may be sent. May not be you. You see, when you grow up like we did as Southern Baptists, we always think we got to be going somewhere. But most of the people who were who met Jesus did not follow him. They went back home. Legion. Remember the story of Legion. Jesus sails across the Sea of Galilee, comes across uh, on the shore, gets off, and he's confronted by a man who is possessed by demons. Every time they try to get control of him, the neighbors tie him up. They bind him with chains. He breaks whatever is, is got him tied up, and he runs back, and he lives in the tombs. When he sees Jesus, he runs up to Jesus and says, please don't hurt me. It's an interesting way to begin the conversation. Jesus says, what's your name? He says, Legion, because there are so many voices inside my head. And Jesus casts the demons out. At the end of the story, there's this very poignant moment where the man tries to get on the boat and leave with Jesus. And Jesus won't let him go. No, he says, you go back home. Now, have you put yourself in Legion's situation? I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to the people who mistreated me. I don't want to go back to the people who tied me up, who tried to chain me down. I don't want to go back to those people who hurt me. And Jesus says, no, you go home. He wasn't going to be the next disciple. He was to go home. 
if you're not sent, don't go. How many of you know Jamie Thompson, uh, the, the pastor in Chicago we work with? Love Jamie. Love Jamie. I'm encouraged every time I'm with him. I love hanging out with him. I love the times I get to talk with him on the phone. Um, if, as long as we don't talk too much about the Chicago Bears, he's, 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 he's a lot of fun to talk to. You know, I try to get Jamie to move down here. There have been a couple of situations where I thought Jamie would be the best person in the world to do it. And I put the hard sell on him, man. I wanted Jamie to be part of our team. And so, man, I'm throwing it on him. And finally, he looks up at me over dinner and says, if I leave, who reaches Chicago? If I leave, who reaches Chicago? If you're not sent, don't go. We have... A mission trip every week around here. Somebody is going somewhere to do something. And if you talk to Sharon Fairchild, I hope you have your passport with you because you're going to the airport <laughs> after that. She's amazing at what she does. And I, I, you know, and I encourage you to experience one of these mission trips. Have you ever noticed that I don't go? You know why? Because I'm sent here. I'm sent to you. This is where I belong. You are the people to whom I am sent. Now, I celebrate what we're doing in South Africa. And I will be eager to hear about it when they get back. But I won't go. I love what we're doing in Vancouver. I love what we're doing in Asia. Some of the most creative and dynamic people I know are in these situations. But I won't go. Why? Because I can tell you where I was. When the Lord said, this is yours. These are your people. This is where you belong. This is where I'm sent. So if you're not sent, don't go. If you are sent, don't stay. There's another story about a prophet who was sent and didn't go. Remember the story? Jonah, right? <laughs> he wasn't praying for Nineveh. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach in Nineveh that I can save that city. And Jonah, being a great man of God, said, no. Not going to do it. God told him to go east. He went west. The boat is caught in a storm. And he finally goes to the captain of the ship and says, listen, you've got to throw me overboard. I'm the reason you're in this storm. So the captain and the sailors pray. Read their prayer. 
Lord, forgive us for throwing this man overboard. (laughs) But we're going to do it. And they threw Jonah overboard and this great fish, great theological debate, was it a fish or a whale? My guess is when Jonah saw that big mouth opening, he wasn't thinking that. That was not his concern. And he spent the next three days in the belly of that fish. Finally, he began to pray, Lord, you are God. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Now, you're thinking there was a great change of heart. Then all of a sudden, Jonah loved Nineveh. He never loved Nineveh. Never loved it. He kept telling God, I'm going to go preach. You're going to save them. And that's not what I want. I want them to burn. And I want to be there when you do it. Light them up. That's the Alabama translation, but that's what he says. Only reason I want to go to Nineveh is to watch you destroy them. But I know what's going to happen. I'm going to preach. They're going to believe. But because you're a God of grace and mercy, you're going to forgive them. And when I leave, Nineveh's going to be better off than it was. And I just don't know if I can stand that. But he does go preach. To his credit, he preaches. Now, those of you who love uh, short sermons will love this one. Here's this whole sermon. Forty days, Nineveh, no more. That's his whole sermon. Forty days, Nineveh, no more. Because he was a prophet, people knew when he spoke it happened. The entire city began to tremble and realized we got 40 days to get our act together. And they repented and God forgave. Nineveh is spared. And Jonah is furious. God comes to him and says, are you angry? Yes. I'm furious. Do you do well to be angry? Shouldn't I care about those people the way I care about Jerusalem? Sometimes the situation that you're most concerned about is the last place you need to think you need to go. You don't have the personality, you don't have the gifts, you don't have the life experience. Somebody else will go. Somebody else that will talk in a way that you would never talk. That would understand in a way that you would never understand. I've been with pastors of rural churches. We'd be doing a revival and we'd go do the required visitation. So we talked to the farmer. And that pastor of that rural congregation said, how's your planting going? Well, you know, they talk about it. What kind of seed you use? And they would talk about it. We'd get up to leave and he'd shake the farmer's hand. He said, you know, I wish you were worried about the seed you're planting in your own life as much as you're worried about the seed you're putting in your field. Because the seed you're planting right now is going to be an ugly harvest. And I'm thinking, no, I wouldn't, no, don't say that. I wasn't sent. He was. What is it that breaks your heart? Who's the people group? 
Where's the neighborhood? Pray. Oh, yes, because we do not fight against blood, flesh and blood. We fight against principalities, spiritual enemies. Those are the people, the enemies that we have. And you fight that battle in prayer. Are you the one sent? If the answer is no, then don't go. If you are sent, don't stay. If you're sent, if you're not sent, don't go. If you are sent, then don't stay. In just a moment, Michelle's going to come lead our prayer time. Here's what I want you to think about. Where is the people group? Who are they that break your heart? Are you the one sent? If you're not, it's okay. Don't go. But we're all sent somewhere. And to that place, wherever you are sent, don't stay.